Hey everybody, this is Taylor and you're listening to Asking for a Friend. On this podcast, I ask pastors and other Christians God has put in my life some candid questions about how to live out our faith and engage with the world as followers of Jesus. All questions are on behalf of my friends, of course. Enjoy this week's episode. Good morning. Hey there. I had to think if it was morning or afternoon, but yeah. 11.40 means I need a morning. new like uh, sign online other than, hey there. Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> Hola. Hey, podcast world. Oh, we're going to retire that one, but okay. uh, we're back for another episode. We haven't gotten canceled yet. Not yet. Now, the episode hasn't been uploaded, but who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, I should have asked last week, but we're going to ask this time. Okay. How was 2022 for you on a scale of 1 to 10? Mm, 10 being the best? 10 is like best year you've had yet. Ooh. And 1 is like, wow, take it back, God. Um, I would say maybe a 6. Seriously? Yeah, I would say there were some tough challenges in this past wow. year. But it definitely like wasn't like the worst year of my life. There was very good moments too, but there was also, I'd say, um, just a decent amount of challenges. But. Wow. <laughs> I would have put last year at like a nine. Well, I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad. But now I'm sad that yours was a six. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I think that would be. It's hard because I mean a year is a long time. Yeah. So there was some really good moments, but then there was also some some challenges, some things that I would say were 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 tougher in the year. So maybe six point five. Okay. Know. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely like. Yeah, it wasn't like oh, this was the worst year of my life mm. by any That's means. That's good. That's good. 2023 the year will be was 2000. <laughs> no, I, I don't know what I would say was the worst year of my life, but yeah, me neither. What year was it that me and you met? No. Oh, <laughs> oh, that was that was the year 2018. Wow, that's getting farther away. I know, kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So what? What was your number? You said a nine for 2022. Yeah, I thought 2022 Solid. was good. Solid. I'm hoping this year. I mean, honestly, I'm like every year has gotten better and better and better. So. Mm. So, I don't know. Maybe this year will be a 9.1. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Good year. 10.5. Yeah. 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 Get that 11. Yeah. Have to. Um, today, we have another fun topic in store. Yeah. Do you say that about all the topics? I think I accidentally do. Yeah. And usually when I'm saying fun topic, that's an indication that it's not going to be a very fun topic. Or a serious conversation. Yes. Serious conversation. That's okay. a better way to say it. Um, today... I have lots of questions about the transgender movement. Okay. That's a good way of putting it. I think that is a, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, yeah, I think it's something that becomes more relevant all the time. And it's something that maybe as Christians, we should be equipped to answer to. Absolutely. Um, which we can talk about this in a sec, but. It's interesting because I feel like my parents wouldn't have said like, oh, I know someone that's transgender, yeah. but I know I can say I did. And I know my sister can say yeah, she did. So it's becoming yeah. more common for younger ages. But yeah, it is definitely uh, as much a thing now as it's been maybe ever in yeah. human history. Yeah. But it's might be on the come down, but we're going to get into that. Okay. Later. Ask, ask the, the questions. Episode. Okay, let's, first let's question. Let's dive in. I think helpful for conversations like this 
is defining terms that we're using. Yeah. Um, so just in general, what is transgenderism or tr- being transgender? All yeah. of these terms that people use, um, what do those mean? Yeah. Um, well, I would say um, at a very basic level, it is somebody who thinks that their biological sex is not in line with their gender identity. Hmm. So this is not a new human phenomena, but it is talked about differently than it has been perhaps ever. Um, and so there are terms that have referred to this um, for, for a long time. Um, things like um, gender identity, identity disorder mm-hmm. uh, was a term that was used. Um, or gender dysphoria is more mm-hmm. common now. Uh, transgenderism, that word um, became used in the 1970s, and it referred to a person whose sense of personal identity did not correspond to their anatomical sex. So that's kind of mm-hmm. like that. Um, but the term has, it's kind of morphed, yeah. and it is being utilized differently um, because I, I would say definitely like past 100 years in the U.S., um, it has been considered a mental health issue. Mm. And so you can find it in mental health textbooks. So they have begun kind of changing that with things that are more popular now. And so um, so one of the ways it's kind of transitioned really um, in the 2000s um, is that someone who is transgendered, it, it's become kind of more of a, a just an adjective that somebody is transgender. Right. And so it's different than somebody like having transgenderism, meaning they have a condition where um, their identity doesn't correspond mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to their biology. So now one of the big distinctions I would say that's kind of more current is someone is transgender, which it's used like a statement of fact, not they have this point of view or they have this condition it's this is who yeah. they are they their their gender is not their biology so not a condition or not a point of view but more of a statement of truth a statement of reality they are transgender not they have transgenderism hmm. does that make sense yes yes so, so i think uh, my understanding still from like a uh, psychological perspective that the term gender dysphoria is still used and it's where a person feels once again it's more based off feelings is right. that they feel like their their body does not correspond to who they are so there's this disconnect between their personal sense of identity and their physical self so i think that's still how people would utilize the term gender dysphoria that somebody might have that yeah, I almost view that as like the precursor maybe to transitioning. Like it starts with gender, which we wouldn't know and we can't speak into this very much, but maybe it starts with that feeling, hey, something doesn't add up. And then you become transgender when you make the switch. Yeah, it's almost, I think like they make the decision like, hey, I, I have these feelings and now what is promoted is, okay, uh, these feelings are who you are. So maybe you had feelings of gender dysphoria and that revealed that you are transgender. And, okay. Yes. Yeah, I think that would be my, my understanding accurate in how it's currently being used. Mm. So like, I know that you're no offense, a bit of a history nerd. Okay. <laughs> so when did, when did this movement start? Like when did it become a huge thing? Ooh. Well, I guess those are two questions. When yeah. did it start and when did it become a huge, like, 
cultural almost norm today like yeah. it's not yeah uncommon. well it's it is it's dramatic in how much this has escalated into something that is considered normative right um so I, I wouldn't be able to like really pin down the roots i would say like once again like this isn't a new human phenomena mm-hmm. like in other cultures other times even ancient history you you can find examples of uh, somebody who lived a life that didn't correspond to their biological sex so that's not new for like the human condition. Um, and so once again, it goes back in our mental health textbooks a long way, like gender identity disorder or, um, and so, um, I mean, I definitely think it has gained a lot of ground in the 21st century as changing the perception of, um, this being a mental health condition to this being a, a, an actuality, like a a truth, a statement Mm -hmm. of fact that somebody is transgender, that some people are born into the wrong biological sex or into an anatomically incorrect body. Um, and so I would say definitely post two thousands is when that started to become more of a thing. And then I would say really in the past 10 years is when it's really ramped up. I think so. So I'm trying to think if I ever even heard somebody used that term when I was in high school. I, I don't think they did. Uh, I mean, the only like sort of concept, which I know there are distinctions, but would be the term like transvestite, yes. which I think is considered a different thing mm-hmm. uh, as far as how somebody identifies. But yeah, somebody being trans or just transgender. Yeah, that wasn't a thing until I, I think once again, it's the way it's being used now. That was like post 2015. So it's, it's pretty recent how our society is viewing the dramatic changes and how we have viewed this condition and how people utilizing that term it's really ramped up in in, yeah the past three to five years honestly yeah i think so too i think for me the well the first time i knew what transgender was and learned about it i think was when Caitlyn Jenner. Okay. I think was that 2015, 2016? I don't know specifically, but that was the first the celebrity, first celebrity. Yeah. to yeah. really come out, especially a really famous celebrity that had a very large, yeah. successful life as a male and then um, now is female, I guess. Um, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing for me, but it made me actually think back, um, as a kid on iCarly, there was this episode where they were like, here's an autograph from the world's first pregnant man. And I remember being fascinated by that because I was like, how do boys get pregnant? And my mom did not explain it to me. You know, she was just like, turn that off. But, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, that is a transgender person that got pregnant as a male, but was obviously a female first like it's just really interesting to look back and be like oh so maybe that was my first and that was at like eight years old like carly is super old yeah exposure to yeah that idea. but I, I had no idea yeah. what it was and didn't learn till almost seven years later yeah like, so i think there was definitely some groundwork laid for to change cultural attitudes yes that now have just ramped up to some extremes for sure which is interesting too because even now i mean you say like sixth graders seventh graders eighth graders young kids they still know what they know what this is now whereas when i was their age i wouldn't have known and you definitely wouldn't have yeah known. which is a whole another story about ideas of sexuality and children and some of the things that are very pro- <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a that might be a whole another podcast on what um is helpful and age appropriate for children to be aware of right yeah um but yeah i guess this okay i guess to take the conversation in a different direction, what are the distinctions between 
being transgender and being homosexual because I think sometimes they are often linked together. Yeah. Or they're even, I mean, part of the same community. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because they do label it like that. What is common is, you know, just all all the letters. LGBTQIA+. Mm which I couldn't tell you some of those ones towards the end. Um, and so one, one of the ways this conversation has been reframed is within the language of a human right. And so that um, how people would promote it is that these personal ideas of identity are truth. So this is who people are. And so it's kind of making a category of person and so that any form of opposition or a different thought or any norms in society that might push against people's personal identity, that it's a violation of their human rights. So they've tried to kind of lump as many of these categories together, mm-hmm. I think, um, to be more persuasive. So if you're like against right. one, you're against the other. Um, but I mean, we haven't like kind of covered all the ground, but honestly, there's, um, there's kind of been some issues with that. If, I mean, I follow a lot of current events, a lot of news, a lot of Twitter thing posts and things like that. And it's actually, uh, caused, uh, some conflict between, um, some of the homosexual community and some of the transgender community. And so it's not, it's not the same thing mm-hmm. by any means. So a transgender person is someone who feels that their gender identity is different than their biological sex. Uh, someone who would say that they're homosexual or gay is I'm sexually attracted to the same gender or to the same biological sex. And so sometimes those are in conflict because the transgender community would say mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a transgender man or a female that identifies as a man, that is a man. But a homosexual man might be like, well, I'm not attracted to them because I don't actually think that they're a man. So there's there's conflict. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I know that's been an issue even um, with some rallies and stuff. Like sometimes it's uh, just a, a rally for people that uh, identify as lesbian. And they're like, well, we don't like men. And so even if a man says that they are a woman, we still aren't into that. So there is like kind of conflict. So those things do get all lumped together into one category. But there are some distinctions um, and there is, I would say, some internal uh, contradictions that are begin to show it on kind of like a broader national scale. Right. But that's kind of getting lost in the weeds yes, already. Yes, yes, I. So for someone that maybe doesn't know, why are Christians so against this idea of being transgender or what what is what's the problem with it? OK, so is that your perception? And would you say like for the peers and I mean, you're at a college is that the perception that Christians are against transgender people? Yes. Okay. I, I would say, yeah, that would that's the reputation of Christians. Really, I mean, to be against the whole movement that we just talked about. LGBTQIA+. Yes, just all of it. Which I don't know what the plus is. is that, that might just that be like a catch-all for it. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. any other version of personal identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so once again, I, I think as Christians face issues – um, that maybe haven't been talked about in a way that we understand before that we go back to the Bible and that's what I would encourage Christians to do. And that's how, you know, I try to, uh, think about my life. And so, um, you know, I, I want to go back to God's word. And so, you know, as I look at, um, the scope of the biblical narrative, definitely even going back to creation. Uh, so 
before the fall, um, you know, God makes it pretty clear. So Genesis 1 talks about it when God makes people. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 says, God said, let us make man in our own image, man being a, um, you know, a plural term for humanity. Um, after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish and the sea, the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. God created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Um, so that's when people show up on the scene. And so it kind of establishes a created order that God kind of made two categories of human, male and female that there isn't this third category or a disruption in what it means to be one of those. And so one of the things that has taken place, and once again, I, I don't know when exactly um, sociologically when this happened, but was the creation of two different terms, one being biological sex and one being gender. Mm -hmm. And so before we've always used those synonymously, yes. but that was part of the change that occurred at some point that they, people began to talk about that those are two different things. So your gender mm, is how mm. you personally identify and gender is a social construct and biology is just biology. So this is how people talk about it. This is not what I'm advocating for <laughs> um, because I would say gender and biological sex are synonymous, that you shouldn't separate the two. Mm -mm. Um, and so I, I'm not sure exactly when that divide happened, when we kind of created the term gender, um, because it also goes back into a lot of academic studies on uh, just differences between males and females and how much of that is socialized and how much of that is innate. So yes. that's like this whole other kind of um, reasoning that humans do on, you know, what is a person outside of um, the projection society has put on them, um, which they, people, academics talk about that in a lot of ways, not just male, female divide, but also like, okay, if a person developed without any outside influences, like what is natural man? Um, so that's, that's this whole thing that, I had quite a few college classes that dove into that on because we don't have any examples on that. I actually remember one of my classes that um they talked about that, that there's been a few instances in history where um like a kid gets like lost in the wilderness, but doesn't die. And there's actually some famous examples of like kids kind of surviving with animals for an amount of time. And so theoretically, that person would like have developed as a human without other mm -hmm. societal influences. Uh, but you really don't get many information. The, the couple of times, the famous case studies in history, if it was, you know, like a kid from like two to five, you know, which is a miracle that they survived. But um, that's usually when so much of our, our speech patterns develop mm -hmm. that most of those people that were recovered, um, like usually have severe mental delays and learning delays. So they can't communicate like, oh, this is natural man. Um, but that's a question on like differences between males and females. There's obviously biological differences, but then there's also ways we interact with the world that are different. And right. so that's where kind of the term gender has come in and why there has been a lot of attacks on that idea that our ideas of what is normative for men and women yes. is something that a system has put on them versus what is like a natural aspect of a natural outgrowth of their biology. Yes. Yeah. And what I was your question? <laughs> Why are Christians against it? Yeah. That was the original question. But the, yeah, the gender norms thing, I think that that is a big part of this um, debate because I would say even like 50 years ago, let's say, um, let's say a little boy. I mean, and, you know, this is going into gender norms and stuff, mm -hmm. which is a whole nother 
concept, but it's like a it little boy is playing with um, with dolls or maybe is doing things that are not considered traditionally boy activities, right? So back then, the parents would have just been like, it's just a phase or, hey, stop doing that. That's for girls, right? Or they don't know what they're doing, yeah. Exactly. But now, if a little boy is engaging in those activities, now it's normative for the parents to be like, oh, that must mean he wants to be a girl mm-hmm. or he is a girl. Or, yeah, they are He trans. is a girl. Yeah. Um, and they, they really play that up and it starts at a very young age. And, uh, I just think, I mean, every girl that I've talked to, that's my age, we all go through our little tomboy phases that we call it, where you want to play outside in the sticks in the mud and you dress like a boy. But I wouldn't say that any of us identify as male, Yeah. but it's interesting to see if like, if we were raised by maybe more liberal Mm -hmm. parents, how that would have changed the course of our whole life because then we would have bought into this idea like hey maybe i'm not a girl maybe i actually am a boy yeah yeah and so why why i would say christians you know you can use the word against or just like have a lot of concerns about this idea so one um it we would say it goes against god's good created order for humanity Mm -hmm. so god created us male and female it also kind of goes against the biblical idea of our humanness so we are an embodied people we have a soul we have a body they are distinct parts of ourselves, but they're not separated. And so it's kind of this idea is like, okay, your physical body is different than who you are. And that's not a Christian or biblical notion. Like we Mm -hmm. are an embodied person. Our physical bodies matter. And so that's why we also believe in a bodily resurrection, like that Jesus rose from the grave. He wasn't just spirit. He was human flesh. He took on flesh and redeemed our flesh. And even the New Testament church, it talks about this, like in the apostles uh, reassure people like our physical bodies are going to be resurrected. So there's not this distinction like we do talk about our soul and our spirit, you know, being with the Lord and our inner person. But that is not in at odds with our physical self. Like God gave us both. In fact, you know, it talks about, you know, uh, in in consummation when everything comes together and the the Lord in fullness redeems his creation, we are going to have a glorified body. So like our our bodies and our, our spirits are, are not in conflict like that. We are an embodied person. Mm. And so this idea would go against that biblical notion of what it means to be human um, and the separation of your physical is not who you actually are. Like we wouldn't we wouldn't believe that. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the other conflicts, um, which gets into some of the other just, um, you know, the outgrowth of those ideas, like you're saying about um people advocating that you know if a if a young if a young child is not maybe adhering to some gender norms mm-hmm. that now that means they're transgender which is kind of just an interesting thought because on at the same time they would say gender norms are a social construct yes but now being outside of those means that you are this thing Yes. And so that is that is a statement. Um, there's the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. So very much pro on the uh, on, on the trans movement side and that they would say children as young as two may show signs that could indicate gender dysphoria, such as preferring clothes, toys or games commonly associated with the opposite sex and may prefer playing with um, those children. So. So this idea that yes, gender is just a social so construct, twisted. they kind of use it on both sides to advocate for their position. Yes. Like this doesn't exist. But if the child is exhibiting signs of this, that means that they are this. Yes, yeah. But it doesn't exist. Correct. 
that it's all a social construct. Yes. But if, yeah, if a child plays into that, then it means that they are transgender. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's so, it's, it becomes really twisted really fast. Like how, I don't know. Yeah. So I would say that's one of the, you know, biblically, as we look at what it means to be a human and being created in the image of God, um, another aspect of that is like, I don't get to determine what that means. Yes. That I am a created being, that I am not the author of my identity. Like I, I am, I am created. I, I don't get to determine what is reality. Like I get to observe it and hopefully live within it because that will be better for me. But God is the author of life and God gets to determine what those categories mean because they were his ideas to begin with. Yeah. So that, 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 that's another reason I would say is like a, a Christian view of this topic. Yes. Yeah. Like the idea of, um, picking your own, uh, future and your own story and your own identity or putting your identity in things that that aren't god and aren't things of god yeah um which i think i think i don't know this one this topic really just i don't know it saddens me a lot because i mean uh which we can talk about this too but and i don't know the exact numbers and i know that you read into this more but um when people do end up like transitioning or switching um there's the suicide rate it doesn't go down it actually goes up doesn't it because this thing that they've been striving for all along they realize it doesn't actually make them happy like the thing that they wanted the thing they put all this money into they put their identity into being the opposite sex and they get there and it's not fixed yeah so so i would i would list that under um under reasons why christians feel passionately about this because mm-hmm. you could because people could also say like hey if it's not like this isn't bothering you, let people do what they want yes. to do. Um, so as a whole, like we, we care about people and we care about humanity and we c- care about our society and our countrymen and, you know, the people around us. And, and definitely I, that would definitely be an observation I have. And a lot, I would say a lot of people have is that these ideas that are being promoted mm-hmm. about yes. gender and um, what you can do about this disconnect uh, I would say are are very damaging to people. So so right now, um, you know, and you can get this even from the federal government, from the White House. One of the big pushes for this idea of transgenderism is what they call affirmative care. And so oh, it's like, it's literal yes. medical guidelines that if somebody says that they have gender dysphoria or if they think they're trans, what is promoted as the next step is to affirm that. And so that's from um, which is so interesting to me. Which yeah, and it and it that is both like in a mental health counseling, psychiatry, psychology area, but then it also can translate to actual medical in the health hospital, care. Yes. Yeah, and so which that's, I've totally seen like in my time as like working at a hospital yeah. and being in clinical. They yeah, are treated as yeah. the opposite sex. Yeah, and a lot of um yeah, a lot of the guidelines in medical institutions and things like that have updated to mirror this language that affirmative care is considered best practice. And so in in a lot of ways the the medical interventions that are going into transgenderism transgenderism are new on the scale. And so uh, on that side even on the objective just medical side like we're kind of experimenting for a lot of people on um, the medical interventions they're doing. 
And, and then on the other side, we can see some of the results over time already. And, and I would say they're horrible. Um, and just in the little bit of, I, that I know, you know, I'm not a medical professional, uh, but I can Google and I can look at studies and see those things. So some of the things kind of you're touching on, I, I know for, for minors, so teenagers under 18, um, the rate of um, attempted suicide is 50% of teenagers who would say that they are transgender. So one out of every two have attempted suicide which is just crazy. That's seven times more likely than a teenager that doesn't identify as trans. And so that movement would explain it as that it's because they are lacking affirmation. Yes. But it kind of doesn't add up because I would say society wise, we are the most accepting of transgenderism as it's ever been. You know, it is mm -hmm. promoted. It's on TV shows. You can find YouTube channels and TikToks that talk about how great it is. So it's the most accepting it's ever been, but the suicide rate has not come down. And so I, th I think we should ask ourselves the question as to why. Um, and now more and more, uh, we're going to get a larger population of people that have done the surgeries. Um, and, and my gut and what I think will absolutely play out is that the number of people who regret that is going to be a very high percentage. Mm. Because that's the other interesting thing when you dig into it is that a lot of these interventions that are, are being advocated for somebody who says that they're trans, the literal health implications are very dramatic. Mm -hmm. and of so, like the early hormone therapy yeah, for teenagers and kids. Yeah, yeah. so the health impacts are huge. And, and I don't think that's really uh talked about as much as it should and so that's one of the first things people do on the affirmative care as, for minors or even for somebody that's older is like hey if you think you're the opposite gender if it's if it's a minor who hasn't gone through puberty yet they would advocate for giving them medication that blocks hormones and blocks um puberty from happening um and it has very dramatic health impacts. It's it's really not good for your health. Which in Texas right now, I'm really not up to date on current events. And I know that. But isn't that why people are freaking out? Like maybe last week or the week before, there was a big thing that happened where you basically, a doctor can't help a child transition without parental consent. Uh, potentially. I don't know specifically, but that that is kind I of. I saw a blow up a, on Instagram. There's a big divide on the national conversation and so most a lot of the states that lean more politically conservative are starting to introduce laws that would ban a definitely minor uh transgender transition uh, so i wouldn't be surprised if that was a texas thing you know florida is introducing laws like that so it's kind of on both sides um just depending on where you live in the country and what's kind of the prevailing attitude um, and so that that is a big thing because it has now it's been revealed that it's happened that, that there are minor transition clinics that surgeries have happened on minors not as common uh, usually hormone therapy is the most common intervention um, but it's not the the only one and so that's usually kind of a first step is you know if it's a, a female that wants to be a male they'll start introducing testosterone or mm. vice versa um, and yeah, messing with those hormones and those those systems in our body have very dramatic health consequences. Yeah. And so I know, you know, some of the things I've looked at that, um, you know, somebody who is considered a transgender woman 
you know, somebody who is a biological male that identifies as a woman, when they're given those hormones, you know, the kind of common interventions right now that um, it get, makes them twice as likely to have a stroke um, and, you know, five times as high chance of having blood clots, um, you know, a chance of heart attack goes way up. Like it kind of wreaks yeah. havoc on our, you know, our systems. System, yeah. yeah. I mean, hormones are huge drivers in our health. And so when you start intervening, um, in that for, you know, it's kind of, um, what's the term when it's not necessary, you know, um, you know what I'm talking about? You know, sometimes you need a procedure and sometimes, um, elective. Yes. That's what I was looking mm, for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When it's elective, like you're deciding to do it versus like, this is a medical necessary decision. Yes. 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 To, to back up what I was talking about earlier, I just looked it up so that I can, I don't know. I don't want people to come for me, but, <laughs> um, Basically, there's a bunch of bills that are being passed in Texas legislature specifically, which maybe people are listening elsewhere. We're in Texas, and it says that um, they are prohibiting insurance companies from covering gender-affirming care okay. in Texas yeah. and um, revoking the license of a doctor, doctor who performs gender-affirming surgery on a minor. Okay. So that's for people under eight. So that's that yeah. was the blow-up on Instagram last yeah. week. Um, but... Yeah, which and so what's kind of promoted on the the pro camp side is that this is medically necessary, because once again it's stated as a truth, not a condition, that somebody is transgender, and so it is medically necessary to help them transition. Yes, which in and of itself is kind of a, a misnomer. Is like honestly, like our our biological sex is immutable. Like you can't change it. And so even if you did some surgeries, uh, I, I would say that's more akin to some level of mutilation versus actually making you the opposite sex. Um, yeah, I mean, because even if you remove parts of your body and stuff like, I mean, it goes down to our chromosomes. Like you can't change it. Like yes. men are men and women are women. Like that is a biological reality. And so once again, on, on the why are we for it or against it side, like I, I would say the Bible absolutely advocates for like, not trying to deny reality like this god has set the world in motion there's natural laws yes we, it's a supernatural faith and god can intervene in his creation but like we don't want to be self-deluded as to what reality is and there is this reality that like our biological self isn't changeable it's not it, it's immutable and so so and that's what i found interesting when i first began to kind of, like when this conversation started to get more and more and so the idea that like, okay, hey, let's say somebody, even as an adult, has this feeling that like my physical self doesn't match what's inside my mind as to who I am. Why is it the assumption that it's the physical self that needs to change? And that's the assumption people have been advocating and working on that like the, the body is the problem and not somebody's self-perception. Yeah. Which in every other area of life, like we understand that like our self-perception does need to change on different things. Like, you know, you know, there is body dysmorphia, you know, people have eating disorders. They're like, um, in my head, I'm a fat person. And so I have to throw up all my food. And we know that they are physically unhealthy because they don't eat enough food. And so there is this disconnect between what is their physical reality, but their internal self-definition. And so we would encourage that person like, no, you're not fat. You need to eat healthy. It's your mind that needs to change. But we've chosen this category of somebody who's saying like, hey, 
I'm actually a woman trapped in a man's body. We're like, okay, yeah, let's carve up your body or mess with your endocrine system versus saying like, Hey, why do you think you feel that way? Like, you know, we have these markers that are set in stone to indicate that you are actually this person. And so maybe it's, it's your self-perception that needs to change versus uh, trying to change reality. And so those are some of the reasons people get really passionate about this because it is like a, it it is a huge deal. Yes. And it's, I mean, and I don't know. I just equate this with um, people that chase other things until Mm -hmm. it destroys their life. So it's not even just like, oh, I need to reach this peak identity. It's like, oh, I need to make as much money as I can. And then they trash everything else. This is the ultimate. It's when you make something that's not God an ultimate thing and you watch them run this course all the way to the end. And it's really sad to see. And when you're in that situation, like you, you obviously you don't realize that that you're in it, but it's, it's hard. I think that's why, you know, offline, you and I have this conversation a lot. I feel like we've had it multiple times because it's, it's hard to watch other people make these decisions and yeah. and you know I don't I'm I'm I don't have any very close friends that are trans yeah. like this isn't a conversation that's in my face every day but it blows up on the news once every few months and yeah. you know we have to, we're forced to think about these things and it's Yeah, I definitely think for hard. for people like you said like younger than you like even in grade school, they're starting to get it. But I would say even more probably with your peers that m- may or may not be Christian, um, I would say probably the prevalent view with people in your age bracket would be affirming of this. Yes. Yeah, because that's definitely towards the end of college, that was becoming more of a thing that you heard a lot about being an ally or just the yes. LGBT mu- movement. And so I would say probably most 20 somethings would be like, yeah, this is absolutely who people are and we should support them and love them and care about them by affirming um, their identity. Um, and so it is something that's worth talking about because it, it has gotten in some ways popular. And so it, it does require a conversation and it does require kind of planting a flag yeah. That, hey, this is biblically outside of God's created plan. And um, even if you're not a person of faith, faith in Jesus um, is very detrimental to people's yeah. health, both mental and physical. Um, and so that's, you know, why my interpretation of why the suicide rate is so high is that people are suffering mentally from a disorder or a condition or whatever term you'd like to use. And instead of getting them actual help, we're, we're kind of indulging it. And I think it's having disastrous consequences for people. So I guess the biggest, like, after all of this discussion, like, as Christians, what what are we called to do? Like, what can we do about this? And how can we, I don't know, just engage with this topic? Or, like, is it even, you know, like, is it even worth entertaining? Like, if I did have... I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think we we should engage with it because once again... Or what if there's a Christian person and they are struggling with society telling them, hey, this is okay, pursue this, pursue this, but feeling that conviction of... Yeah, like or so, that at so odds. somebody yeah. that's within a Christian setting but maybe is experiencing gender dysmorphia. Yes, yeah, let's yeah. start there. Yeah, well, any anybody that is, is claiming like, I follow Jesus... I, for one, I hope you're going back to the Bible on what that means. And I would encourage people to read the scriptures... And, um, you know, you know, what comes to my head is like to read Psalm 139 
Mm. And it talks about how God created us. You know, he says he, he knit you together in your mother's womb. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, you know, our, our, our bodies might experience some brokenness, but God made you fearfully and wonderfully. Like there's nothing wrong with your body that on that level needs to require hormonal change or surgical change. Like, and, and a lot of people do struggle with body image. And I would say that falls into this category mm-hmm. and, and just know like you're fearfully and wonderfully made like in, in the image God wanted you to be like, yeah. uh, you are either a, a man because God made you a man and wants you to be a man and has a plan for your life that involves that. Or God made you a woman because he wants you to be a woman. He has a plan that you have value and dignity in the image God made you in. And so I would definitely encourage that. So going back to the word of God and letting the voice of God be the loudest voice in your life. Mm. And I absolutely encourage like be in community. And if you are struggling with those thoughts or questions or ideas, um, be willing to be vulnerable with people. Um, Okay. This just came to my head, but what about somebody that has maybe made steps towards uh, switching or transitioning and they are either regretting it or they've made the switch and now they want to repent and, and, or not even just repent, like more importantly, come to faith in Jesus. Yeah. So on on a pastoral level, that is not something I've walked with somebody Mm. through yet. I, I I think it's probably coming that, um, that will be a a, a pastoral moment uh, because I do think, I mean, it is so prevalent right now that there's going to be a larger, population of people that would fall into that camp. Um, I mean, I've definitely, you know, encourage people to live within reality. And so even if you've maybe taken some medical interventions down that way, I, I would encourage you to, to live out your, your biological sex. Um, Which even the, apart from Christianity, detransitioning is becoming, yeah, I feel like that is becoming yeah. increasingly popular as well. Yeah, that so that's something you, you see more on the internet than you used to. Um, and probably there will begin to be more of a body of like medically, like what you can do if there's reverse interventions mm. you can take, uh, which I do know, you know, some of the things I've read is that some of the impacts of the hormone therapy might not ever go away. Yeah. So, which is another issue because it's built like, Hey, you can just try it. And then if you don't like it, you can stop. But some of them have, mm. you know, you, you might end up with medical issues that, d- yes. that don't go away. Which is the other part of that argument about keeping minors from doing Absolutely. it other than yeah. blocking development. It's like, let's wait on this decision. It's yeah. not just something you can undo. Well, that and going back to the history that like, this isn't new. Like there's, there's literature on the fact that even children that express some level mm. of gender dysphoria, a very high percentage, like upper nineties grow out of it. Yes. And as exactly. an adult don't have that issue. Yes, and so it's like, just so, wait, just yeah, hold off on yeah. all that. But um, so, so I, I would say, yeah, like go into churches and be honest and, and ask for help and let people love on you and care about you, which goes to the question as, as Christians who don't struggle with it and are confused by it and maybe feel some level of revulsion as to those sorts yes. of things. Uh, we, we need to prepare ourselves for that person walking through our door and how we can love them and, and care about them. Yes. Um, and so that, that is going to bring tough questions to churches. Um, yes, you know, and yeah, I think that's, that's something that's coming for us. What, what do we do? How do, how do we graciously love and care for the person who's maybe gotten all the surgeries and then is coming into our church and wanting to follow Jesus? Like that's going to be tough questions about 
yeah, about bathrooms and which spaces they're in, mm. that, that is going to be tough. That's going to be something you got to wrestle with. Um, and ideally you wrestle with it in relationship, you know, mm. with the person like, Hey, how can I, um, point you towards Jesus and, and, and love you and help you to feel, uh, comfortable to pursue God here, uh, yes. within the parameters of what the Bible says Christians have to do. Um, so I think those are going to be tough questions. Um, but yeah, absolutely love and care for the person. Yes. And yeah. I think that is one of the, one of the, I wouldn't say few, but just one of the similarities to our discussion last week. Like, cause I asked the same question, how can we approach someone mm-hmm. dealing with this? It's like the same way we would approach anyone else with any other sin struggle, which is just love and care and, yeah, and pointing them, and to, pointing Jesus, them to Jesus, po- pointing them to the scriptures um, you know, hopefully having tough conversations, uh, but about... again, not in the way, like last week when you're like, not just being like, Hey, I'm against this. Like, yeah. let's, you know, just yeah, that, when that, you're invited into that space, that might need not be first conversation or third or fifth. Um, yeah, depending on the level of relationship yes. and the context that you're having these conversations in, you know, once again, like I said, a lot of times my interactions are with people like I am interacting as a pastor. Yes. And so I do feel that is my space to step into a, a lot of occasions of like, hey, let's let's talk about what the Bible says about this. Let's be open and honest about what we believe and why we still want you here. You know, why why there is a place for you here. Um, mm. That is absolutely within this conversation as well. Yeah. And it, it is hard to like this can be the last thing, but it's hard to. I guess be a Christian and have that mindset of like there is a place for you here. We love you no matter what, when that's not the message that this community may be receiving mm-hmm. or even perceiving from Christians as a whole. Yeah. I like, I heard a pastor put it this way. And I thought it was very helpful because a lot of times the, the idea of uh, inclusion is thrown out there and he, he kind of put it into two categories um, of um, affirmational inclusion or transformational inclusion. And so Christians, we fall into transformational inclusion everybody's welcome. We want everybody to come and be changed by Christ. Every, yes. Yeah. And yes. that's everybody, regardless mm-hmm. of background, struggle, issue, identity, that's everybody. So Christians are very inclusive in that everybody's welcome to come and be changed by Jesus. Yes. Affirmational inclusion is kind of how the world proclaims it is like everybody come because you're perfect just the way you are. Mm. And all of us know, like, that's not true for any yeah, of that's us. That's not a Christian. Yeah. We've all got yeah. our junk. And so that's kind of, I think another thing that's kind of killing our mental health as a whole is constantly being told that nothing is wrong with you when internally, you know, things are wrong with you. Mm. And so I, I, that, which that's kind of a broader mental health conversation is that, um, yeah, this, this idea that everything needs to be affirmed, like, no, not everything needs to be affirmed. Like there are, all of us have things in us that are not worthy of being affirmed and things that we need to change. And so, um, yeah. So Christians, we would fall into transformational inclus- mm-hmm. inclusivity. Like, like we that. want everybody to come yeah. so that you can meet Jesus and be changed. Like I need to be changed. You need to be changed. Mm. That's just a blanket Christian idea is all of us have brokenness and sin that needs to be redeemed by God. So none of us are okay. Yeah. So come be not okay at our church because yes. all of us are not okay. <laughs> and we all need the grace, love, forgiveness, transformation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm. Well, can't top that. Jesus. Jesus. We'll end every podcast with go Jesus. Or yeah. That's just the answer. Yeah. Yeah. What's the question? The yeah. answer is Jesus. Whatever the question is, answer always comes back to Jesus. That's a trend on this podcast. Mm. That's a good trend. It's a good trend. Good trend. Good yeah. trend. All I'll, right. I'll affirm that. <laughs> Until next week. Okay. Dun dun dun. dun.
If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or feedback about the podcast, please email us at askingforafriend@psbible.com. For more information on our church, visit psbible.com.